Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm Derek Riley, I'm with Charlie Smith, and welcome to Dirty Water, where opinion leaves thick finger marks around your neck, and where facts really display their fuzzy grey teeth. Today's guest on Dirty Water believes in the doctrine of eternal punishment, regards baptism by immersion as essential, and is that most formidable of composite forces, a dreamer who thinks and a thinker who dreams. He lives under the torrid sun of Lennox Head, and his writing den is decorated with handsome cabinets, a sumptuous settee, and soft rugs strewn around the floor. His eyes sparkle with fire and brightness, he has a determined mouth, and his full, broad forehead is covered by not very thick hair. He is Beechgrit's man of reputation, an advanced thinker, and the only surf writer to connect Russian novelist Vasily Grossman with the act of mounting a surfboard. I'm talking, of course, of Steve Shearer. Be the greatest Australian author of all time. Yeah. <laughs> You're full of shit, mate. Cut through. Get He's cut through. Give me, give me, give me a better Australian author. Randall Nick Carroll. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> I want to light you up, Chira. What's what's hey. the beef with, with the great Nick Carroll? Uh, off off air. On air. Um, no, on air, mate. You see the hey. recording down there. I just feel like Nick just always just blow his flag just blows whichever the wind blows. Do you know what I mean? Derek? I think you have to explain. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Nick's number one fan, and I'm obviously yours too, Steve. So um, I have no no particular horse I wish to see win this race, but I like to, I like to see a good scuffle. Oh my goodness! Then, like, literally, if you, Steve, if you and Nick are in an actual author's beef, it'll be the greatest since I don't know Mailer and his wife. <laughs> are, you, are you gonna be Mailer's wife, Steve? Are you gonna get stabbed? Are you gonna, are you gonna stab Nick? I'd have to be the stabber, surely. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like, Nick's got a position, and he sails along through life just as this advocate. And then the wind changes, and then all of a sudden he just takes this other position. I'm like, hang on a minute. You know what I mean? Like it feels like to me he's just sort of his opinions go whichever the way the wind blows. Can you do you have any examples of this behaviour? <laughs> yeah, his latest article that he wrote, which I didn't know about before I wrote mine, you know, where he was sort of talking about, you know, how surfing – in the time of coronavirus, now that competitive surfing is 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 gone, he was sort of coming out with some opinion. But I feel like it was sort of it, it was just it was just going where the wind blows. I don't feel like you know he's been a pro surfing cheerleader for his whole career, and now he's sort of to stay relevant is just going where the wind blows. He's just back behind the leading edge. He's coming in behind the. You know, other people will break the ice and then he'll come in behind it. Say, yeah, see, I told you so. I'm like, well, you didn't say that for the last 20 years. Have you, have you written him a letter? <laughs> we used to write. Well, I, think, I think last time we spoke, you, you told us about your correspondence with Nick, how you, you guys yeah. get your quills out and yeah, we did. write each other nasty letters. Yeah, old school, pen and paper. Yeah, no, we do it online now. <laughs> do you send you guys? Do you send each other personal emails? 
Um, I haven't had a personal email with Nick, but I did have a phone call with him. Was he mad? Yeah, he was mad. About what? Oh, no, actually, there was a beef going on, and then and then he called me up about something. Actually, he called me up because when the WS, oh, when Zosi first took over ASP, Dave Prodan sent me an email asking me if I would be interested in writing for the, you know, new ASP, WSL. And I said, well, possibly, what are the terms and conditions? I never heard anything back, but Nick rang me up to to ask about that and we were sort of having this chat and then I sort of mentioned the beef and I said, so, you know, what's going on? Is there anything we need to talk about? And he sort of said, no, 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 we're okay, we're okay, even though we weren't. And what was that, eight years ago? Yeah, something like that. What was, no, the, no. What was the genesis of the beef? Oh, the beef was about, you know, it was after Andy died. And I was sort of having a go at him saying, oh, you know, look, all these guys knew this was going on for years and years. Nick knew about it. And, you know, Nick was taking great umbrage at that. That he didn't know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, the Andy thing. Like, I never think it's people's responsibility to, to talk openly about people's drug use or, you know, whether they fuck people, other, other people, people other than their wives. I don't really think it's our, our domain. I don't think people have a responsibility, even sponsors, I don't think, unless it's a kid, have a responsibility to, um, you know, make sure people don't OD. The kids that are on drugs. If 12, you know, if it's fucking 12 years old. The 12-year-old. 12-year-old doing drugs and fucking people other than his wife is a... <laughs> I guess if the sponsors are, you know, the sponsors and the team manager are the ones sort of supplying and aiding and abetting, then it does become a bit more than just a story of personal responsibility, doesn't it? No, I, I don't think I, so. I think so. I think so. Yeah, go, Jeff. You think yeah. so? I mean, I'm for a- sure. I think I think that was one of the, like, Andy was a figure for us, right? Yeah. But more than a figure we made andy the figure he was i mean not me per se more Derek riley uh and the existing surf media uh i mean i was a nascent surf journalist then not the robust surf journalist that i am now (laughs) but but i mean andy's story was was a creation all of this is a creation yeah. And then the fact that Andy blew out and all of these surf industry who made him this and or wrote about him this way, yeah. like played dumb, which Steve, to your point, I totally concede, concede, I'm not conceding anything. Uh, I mean, here uh, that, yeah, like stinking, this was a surf industry creation that blew up in its face. Yeah. And anybody who claimed that, oh, wait, what? I didn't know or it wasn't my business was, yeah, complicit. Derek? I think that's a load of shit. And and I think, you know, because Andy wasn't a junkie, didn't die with a needle, had fallen out of his arm in an alleyway. He died like, you know, tens of thousands of other American... That's not how junkies... The needle in the arm. Yeah. The hackneyed trope. Andy was a... Yeah, a pioneer of our new method of dying yeah. of yeah. Hell Island. It was an oxy guy, wasn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. And he was melting yeah, down. He was melting down for so long in, in public. But the, I don't know, it was just hilarious the way he was just propped up for so long. Like, oh, there's nothing to see here. Nothing's going on. But everyone could see that this guy was just fucked totally. But what, what would you have done, Steve, if you were, um, uh, say, team manager of Billabong or the uh, proprietor of a, um, of a burgeoning um, website? If that's if we existed. Well, that's the question, isn't it? What would you have done differently? Hindsight's such an easy... Like, yeah, a, I know. I and mean, it's, it's so easy to stand on the outside and throw rocks. And, you know, but when you're inside and you've got skin in the game, well, then, you know, it takes a lot more balls to come out and say something, doesn't it? But, not, I mean, not even skin in the game, to be honest. Like, who says anything, even if it was a friend who wasn't a personality known in the media? What do you do, right? I mean, this whole thing is is tough. And who wants to kick somebody under the bus who just has a problem and then, uh-oh, they wake up dead. And then clearly, in hindsight, you can think, oh, oops. Because generally, generally pe- people who take drugs don't wake up dead one day. Yeah. And um, so what do you do? You write about every single person you've done, done coke with and – and um, drop pills with you know, and had 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 benders, and write a story the next day and saying, "Yeah, this guy's got a problem, and someone needs to help this guy." Yeah, well, I guess with Andy it was different because it wasn't more. It was it was more than that. It was like his whole, you know, there became a point there where his whole like surfing and his whole career was just disintegrating in full view because this guy was just completely melted down. So, but, how, but, how, he won, but he won a contest just before he died. Sorry? But he won Tahiti just before he died. He did, so he did, but like that was he, was... he was on the ascendancy. Yeah, but it was, even that was just... But also, how many pro surfers melt down and surf horribly before falling off tour just because they're horrible surfers? Yeah. And or get on a horrible run, right? Like the, I mean, in retrospect, we can draw a line between this and this and this. But, I mean... I'm drawing a blank on, but a raft of professional surfers in my life have all of a sudden started surfing horribly and then fell off tour. And none of them were addicted to drugs. Yeah. Steve? What's your point? What's your point? (laughs) Yeah, what's your point? What's your point, Jeff? Who are some some of the surfers that started surfing horribly but weren't addicted to drugs? Every single one of them. And like Dane Reynolds. I mean, no, he where, on tour at least, he still surfs good in a video clip, but Dane on tour became unwatchable, right? No, no. Dane? Never became unwatchable. I remember a heat with on Andy tour. where at, at, it was at the Gold Coast probably the year. So when did he die? 2010? Mm-hmm. It might have been 2010 or 2009, but he surfed this heat where no, he was he, just. He, yeah. He died in 2010. So Yeah. Slater's 10th title, which was in 2010. So there was a heat. Good nice. That's it. Impressive. <laughs> well, that's easy to remember, isn't it? 10 and 10. 10 and 10. is such a And Andy just surfed this just, just such woeful heat. Like he just wasn't – he wasn't there at all. And then he just shuffled off the beach, and I just watched him just shuffling up the, the hill at Greenmount. I just went, oh, this guy's fucked. You know, he could see, he was probably high when he surfed the heat. He looked like he was just completely, you know, like oxys when you get on the opioids, they just shut everything right down. 
He was like that. Like there was just no life force in him. But it, it was so yeah, weird. Inside, huh? so, yeah, exactly. Floating inside, but yeah, you know, in a different universe. Dane never had a heat like that. Mick Campbell. The Ginger Ninja. It's funny, I was watching Mick Campbell clips yesterday on the Matt Walsh's Encyclopedia of Surfing, trying to find desperately the uh, the clip where Mick um, belts Andy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for that for so long, and obviously I don't have access to Sarge's um, back catalogue. So, uh, wasn't that a great moment, Steve? Yeah, yeah, it was. I think, you know, it's been mythologised a little bit more than it deserves, though. Why is that? I think, you know, the mythology is that sort of Mick, you know, really smacked Andy around and showed him, but it was a bit, of, it was a glancing blow. It wasn't, it wasn't much of a punch. It was a rabbit punch in the showers. Yeah, you know, and it didn't really connect and then sort of Andy waved his board around a bit and it wasn't really, I don't know, I, I don't think it was really the definitive kind of moment that it's painted to be. But still, I mean, you know, great, great moment. I don't Do you think- and I had, I had incredible uh, repercussions too, because at the um, at the ASP Awards that year, there was talk of a big Wolfpack Brabois fight, yeah. and uh, and they had to sort things out before it got um, into a major scuffle. Yeah, people hiding in the bushes, all sorts of shit. Yeah, but they did sort it out, didn't they? I mean, the Hawaiians loved Mick, didn't they? They they, you know, they loved him. Yeah, there is a natural affinity between that. Um, you know, and and Mick had spent a lot of time in Marubra too. Yeah. So Mick was Mick was a Mick was a hard cunt. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, summertime. Summertime in Cardiff. Yeah. Summertime in Cardiff, Jess. Yeah. With summertime. Yeah, I mean, creepy makeup. Did you just cut your throat? <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, Mick Campbell, yeah. um, so Surfing Australia, Steve, is going to um, run a reality TV show with yeah. um, with obscure surfers from the 90s. I saw that, yeah. Sean, Can- Sean Canstell, Nathan Hedge. Yeah. Um, I, can, I don't know. Who else, is, who else is I mean, obviously Mick, Mick Fanning and, uh, and John yeah. Parkinson yeah. and B. Derbidge. Yep. Does this excite you, a reality TV show with these um, titans of the sport? It absolutely does, yeah. I only just saw that this morning when I when I clicked on Beach Grit on, and read Surfade's story about it, and I went, "There you go, perfect, great." You know what? A, what an awesome idea. So yeah, I am pretty pumped on it actually. What about you? Are you, are you really? Are you really pumped to see the surfers be Derby surf again? Oh uh, well, you know maybe not be, but I'm I'm pumped to see Sean Cantrell. Jesus Christ. The person, the person who wins this contest is going to do a three-inch air and win. Everyone else is going to be doing cutties. I'm going to do a three-inch three-inch air and win. win, win for I'm, I'm actually not that excited about the surfing performance per se. I'm just, I'm just excited to see Sean Cansdell and what he's up to. But it's a it's a voting thing, right? Yeah. And so who does the? Uh, I mean, assuming will it be open to China as well? Or I mean, none of these people have fan bases outside of. Anywhere else, right? England, not outside the local towns. No. Yeah, so, so I mean, the local yeah, towns. No, you don't know that. Yeah, can't tell. Uh, have a fan base in China and Taiwan. Who knows? But I mean, to me, this whole concept, yeah. ideally, is absolutely perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, taking besides speed, where curiously, where does speed rank? In surfing history, is he more with the Josh Kerrs, etc.? 
or is he down with like the forgotten Australian who did a thing and then was forgotten? Is Bede is Bede a Josh Kerr, Joel Parkinson, Mick Fanning? I mean, we're going to throw Dingo Morrison in there, or is he a Sean Kensdell? I think he's definitely up there, you know, in that top tier that you mentioned first. I actually, I would put him ahead. I'd put him ahead of Josh Kerr below the, yeah, yeah. I'd put him ahead of Josh Kerr below the Cooley trio. This is the most scandalous statement you've ever made, Steve Shearer. Yep. You're telling me right now that B. Durbage is a tick above Josh Kerr in Australia's surfing Hall of Fame. Totally, yeah, yeah. More than a tick. Whoa, who else is above? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Bede did so much with what he had. I mean, no one has ever taken that amount of talent and turned it into that career, right? Jake Patterson. Jake Patterson, <laughs> yeah, except for Jake Patterson. <laughs> I, will, I will see your Bede Derby's and raise you at Jake Patterson. Yeah, okay. A pipeline master, you can't complete a 360 yeah. on the face 360. Did you ever see Snake Tales, Steve? No, no. There's a scene in it where one of the free surfing scenes where where Jake nearly completes it on the face 360. Mm-hmm. Nearly? Nearly. Big signature move, wasn't it? <laughs> and then he's a, he's a pipeline master, one J-Bay, didn't he? Jake. Jake. Yes, he did. Yeah. Bede's also a pipe master. He is. And he, and he busted his yeah. pelvis at the career, famous career-ending uh, injury. Is is Jake Patterson the most Australian surfer to ever surf for Australia? No, no, no. That's uh, that's Mick Campbell. Mick Campbell is the most Australian. So why is Mick Campbell not in the the show? He is, isn't he? He's not. Is he, Derek? No, uh, no, he's not on the not on the show. Someone was asking why isn't Mick Campbell because Danny Wills is in there. Yeah, Danny Wills. Yeah, He's, he turns sixty next month. <laughs> Does he literally? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't know. I think he's 40, 46 or something. <laughs> he's, he's, is he still in your neighbourhood, um, Steve? Yeah, yeah, I see him. I see his old man. His dad was a bouncer. His dad bounced me from the local bar and pubs a few times. And what did you do to get bounced? Oh, God, I can't remember. Being a dickhead. Are you a bad drunk, Steve? Oh, I can get a bit sloppy. Because you're holding a beer bottle now. Yeah. And I'm just wondering what it'll take before you smash it and yeah. you know, putting your hands to the fucking screen trying to get us. We'll just have a beat. You can't. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not aggressive or, or vindictive. I could just get a bit sloppy, but mostly sentimental. But wait a second. So you got thrown out by Danny's dad for yeah. hugging people at the bar. Talking At a about, concert. about the old times. Is there anything more 90s than getting thrown out by Danny Will's dad at a Grinspoon concert in Byron Bay? <laughs> <laughs> Being thrown out of the playroom, probably. Yeah. At a Sunny Boys gig in the 80s, huh? Yeah. Hey, Steve, so, so you wrote the other day about the WSL's uh, famously rumoured um, $150 million sale. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And also, do you think the figure of $150 million is slightly ambitious? 
Yeah, I do. I I think it's probably more likely that it'll be another sort of just pass the baby over, like when the ASP got taken over by Zosi. You know, that was a, a no money changed hands deal, and I think it's much more likely that it'll just happen again. You know, we'll just so oh well, we can't actually exchange this thing for any money. So, you know, do you want to take it? Yeah, well, here you go. It's yours. And, you know, then they just got to find someone who's willing to take it, don't they? It's quite a, it's quite a price reduction, though, from $150 million to free. <laughs> yeah, well, well who, who, who could take it over? I mean, who can, who can take it on? Who, who are the national I, don't, I, think you suggested, I think you suggested the Australian government, didn't you? Well, I mean, the Australian government, it, it, you know, sort of like if they nationalise pro surfing, that actually makes the most sense to me, because it's it's never it's it's not a money maker, it's it's a it's a vehicle to promote areas to sort of you know create jobs. It's it's just sort of works as that sort of like socialism, or or the surfers take it over. And and you know run it run it as a cooperative like a then it's completely you know like a communist workers cooperative. Imagine that's what the ASP was, wasn't it? Sorry, that's what the ASP was. was yeah. the Association of Surfing Professionals. Yeah, exactly. So it's sort of surfer surfer owned, or they have well, to Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Australia taking the whole thing over is the yeah. thing that makes the most sense to me, right? Yeah, yeah. Where do you own it? It's a it's a you have government dollars to toss at it where very clearly as evidenced by the latest jobs report out of america all these numbers are fake right i mean america had a robust jobs gain last month when the entire thing was shut down and so you just like i really truly feel that the entire thing now it's all fake and so you just say what you want to say and then if people believe it then it works right yeah yeah like surfing is awesome. This yeah. is good for Australia. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been. Yeah. The states haven't had a CT since when? I mean, not counting stinking surf ranch. Since <laughs> before surf ranch. What what was the last year that Trestles ran? Trestles ran? I think it was I think they've done three years of surf ranch, right? And so, so the name was the last year. So I think it was the last Trestles. Yeah, which imagine? I mean, it's crazy town. The United States of America yeah. has zero CTs because let's all be honest. Again, Sir French ain't a CT. No. Yeah. So it's been three years since there's been a CT in America. Brazil has one, and all surf fans. Australia has three. Yeah. Yeah. Australia should just take it for a song. I mean, I bet, I bet, who in Australia could bargain with Stinkin' Ziff for the thing? You got somebody good there. They could bargain ScoMo. ScoMo could bargain Ziff down to what? To four million plus <laughs> what? Maybe, maybe a membership to the the ex slave plantation. I mean, yeah, four million plus. Yeah, I bet Ziff could hand Scomo three slaves and we 
and we are done and fate are complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Skymo could just say, look, we own this anyway. This is yours. We own the land. We own the permits. It's ours now. What are you going to do about it? Here's the whole thing. We riff on this thing like it's funny, right? Yeah. But I've realized lately that our riffing is the actual truth. And we could will this to happen purely because the World Surf League is in a position that is so horribly leveraged and dumb yeah. that whatever dumb things we say is smarter than things they think in a room, which is true and should be very scary for them. Like I always thought, oh, wait, I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I'm not a billionaire. I don't know what like levers billionaires have to pull. I've realized now and heard enough that they're done. Like Elo's done. He has no idea what he's doing. The whole thing is a full wrap. And yeah, I mean, Steve, you've called it many times and it's it's completely over. Derek, I see you frowning. What are you frowning about? <laughs> I'm not just laughing just about Elo. He must have got he must have been thinking. But I, but I used black people. I, I, it didn't work with time. And we, we, we used the blacks. We, we fetishized black people, and it just didn't work with the surfing community. I, I just don't get it. Black but he's even, been caught, he's even been caught behind there because, you know what, Facebook's being ditched by Coca-Cola, by Everybody. Everyone's Everybody. ditching Facebook saying they're not woke enough, and, and there's the WSL. They're still, they, they can't even take that trick because they're still tied to Facebook, right? They haven't got the they haven't got the balls to come out and say, "Oh, we're cutting our association with Facebook because they're not work enough." And the, the views, so even that angle, the views on law. Should we cut association with Facebook? Sorry, should we cut? Should Beachwood cut its association with Facebook because it's not work enough? I don't think that's an angle that should be taken. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Oh, I'll tell you. Yes, it is because we would lose four clicks from Facebook. <laughs> That's what we would, like. we would lose, yeah, so little from Facebook that it wouldn't matter. Hmm. Yeah, well, let's fuck Facebook off then. Yeah. Facebook, you're canceled. Yeah, canceled. Facebook's making a roll stand. We should, but we need to make it on the basis of wokeness, not on just that it's worthless. Yeah, because <laughs> we are the we are the work. Um, I mean, we're so woke. Are you kidding me? Black Girl Surf, Ronda Harper, that's us. All of that, that's it. Did you like her, um, did you like her monologue um, um, saying terrible things about um, noted surf identity and commentator Sal Masekela? I, I actually didn't see it. I only just sort of read about it and, and I couldn't get the internet to work at my place on that day to play the video. But <laughs> tell me what she said about Sal. I feel sorry for Sal. I love Sal. You hate him, don't you, Chad? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, oh. he's gorgeous in the stars. I've spoken about many times. No, I hate Sal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a piece of shit. Sal, Sal, Sal turned me on to protein bars. I'd never had a protein bar in my life. And um, and as I spoken about before, he kept them. He told me he kept them everywhere behind the visor of his car and his bag and everything. And uh, he had a magnificent physique. and Magnificent. You know, yeah, sculpted by protein bars. <laughs> <laughs> this calorie dense protein bus, but he's he's a very lovely man. Kelly Slater actually called him when I was there. Mm-hmm. I saw him. He showed me. He said Kelly yeah. Slater. And then I answered the phone, and I and I answered with my um, my sort of trademark homosexual voice. <laughs> and, uh, and Kelly just didn't speak. And then after a while, I gave up and gave it to Sal. Then he started speaking. Oh god! 
sad. Definitely. But speaking of the surf ranch, because that's where the spa um, experience was with Sal, who actually surfs really good, Goofy Footer surfs really, really good. But um, the other day, Matt Warshaw uh, listed um, his surf ranch promo speakers in reverse order of disappointment. Yeah. And Steve, I know you, I know you quite like that story. Yes, I did. I love that. So story. tell me why I pleased you so. Sorry. Tell me why it pleased you so much. Oh, I don't know. It was just I, I, I like the fact that um, you know Matt Warshaw, the, you know the official historian, had, had actually come out and just sort of pegged these pros for you know coming on and spruiking the surf ranch and and, and putting that in its proper context and, and just saying how lame it was really in in Matt's wonderfully subtle way. You know, I just love that he called him out on that. Thought that was awesome. And I think he got the order right. I mean, you know, like you had to put the – so it was reverse order, wasn't it? Reverse order, yeah. So Kelly was number 10. Yeah. Okay. We'd expect him to spruik because it's his baby. And then who was the last one? Emma. Mark Richards. Yeah. He said it's better than any natural wave in the world. Yeah. I never got to see the Beatles. I never got to see Led Zeppelin. But I got to see the first event at the surf ranch, and that was just as good. Yeah. <laughs> to con- and then Matt Warshaw wrote, and this is beautiful, said, um, my broken heart is chained at the feet and thrown up a bridge. Stick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of Warshaw. It's literally Warshaw's curse. Warshaw is going to get cancelled just because he's one of damn us. That's like, what was this? There was some stupid story I just read that went through surf history for some unknown reason. What was it, Derek? I can't remember. I don't know. Did I, did I cut and paste that one? No, I cut and pasted it. Uh, <laughs> it was some long, whatever, mainstream media story going through surf history, being racist, or I think oh, it was no. a racist one. Yeah. And, oh, really? Yeah, going through surf history where they didn't mention Matt Warshaw. And I thought, how do you not boozily thought, how do you not mention Matt Warshaw? Yeah. And then I thought at the end when I sobered up, oh, wait, is Matt Warshaw canceled? I think Matt Walsh is too good. Too good. That's his. Uh, that's his cross to bear. He's just too good. I, I think nobody writes as technically well and with such candor and and knowledge as um, as as Matt. He just he just you know he just throws a sledgehammer in now and then like to um, to kneecap Mark Richards, Jerry Lopez. I mean, kneecap- in my in my mail out, it's incredible. Kneecapping Jerry Lopez, Mark Richards in one article. For his own nonprofit, and I do believe that in that same article, he uh, didn't he wasn't the lead into that thing. I'm not allowed to do political stuff or whatever. He said something like, "I'm not allowed to ask for money for stuff," but then just started hacking everybody away, which was a yeah. I mean, it was a, the whole the whole piece was art. Yeah, I think I really think he's the probably the uh, uh, most underappreciated writer and identity in, uh, in in surfing. Yeah, I mean, how can he be cancelled though? Because he's the only one, right? Well, that's what I'm saying though. Is this there was this whole article on racism surfing, which was somewhere legitimate because I was cutting and pasting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where's legitimate though? What's legitimate now? I mean, it was like something like legitimate to me, like Atlantic or. I don't even know, like New York Times, something. It was some real source that they really went down the rabbit hole of racism and surfing and didn't touch Warshaw. And I was thinking, how do you talk about the history of surf without touching Warshaw? I mean, how do you not, there's not one call to him saying, oh, the first 
dot, dot, dot was here. So then I thought, oh, maybe we just like Warshaw, and maybe that's why we like Warshaw, is because he's a racist, like all of us. <laughs> Take your hood off and let me see you, boy. <laughs> Are you one of us? Oh, it'd be lovely. But, um, but you know, yeah, yeah, he's listed disappointments. But I actually, um, I actually agree with uh, some of the guys who say what a profound thing the uh, surf ranch is. I, I love it. I think it's, um, I think it's better than nature. I think it shits on nature. I'll be happily never see nature again. Live in a fucking concrete tower and go in on the Sunshine Coast and go down to the Kelly's Pool. Not, I'll be the happiest man alive. Not stupid Kelly's Pool though, Steve. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, well, I'm Tom Lochtefeld. Yeah, yeah, there's I, a pool for you, <laughs> Steve Shearer. The best pool for me? I mean, there is one for you that's better than nature. Yeah, you poo. Sorry, what was that? You, you glitched out there, man, you in your dirty little hovel in um, fucking Lennox Head? The, your sumptuous rugs and your big settee and shit. <laughs> is that a rhino hide on the wall? Yeah, it's... From your trip to Africa, is that you posing next to a giraffe with your fucking turtle, your boot on its neck? Turtle head. <laughs> Hang on, you got your boot on a black man's neck. Really? Steve takes another slug of beer. We're all going to be cancelled. Ah, oh, I mean, the worry is that anybody we're touched to is cancelled. That's the problem. None of us care if we're cancelled, right? No, it's all the people we know who then know us who get canceled. Then that's the real bummer. It's like, oh man, I put like eighteen people out of a job because of my stupid mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the big canceling news today, of course, is uh, Evan Gosselman calls for Evan Gosselman and Damien Farrenfort to be canceled, to be to be deplatformed. And what were their crimes, Chaz? I mean, real quick though, before we get on to. I mean, Duma's crimes and Evan Gosselman's crimes. Have you hung out with the Gosselmans, Derek? I went to a wave pool in the Canary Islands in 2010 with Evan, actually. Great kid. Have Lovely boy. Steve, ever hung out with the Gosselmans? No, no. The, no idea. The, Eric's and Evan Gosselmans are Sorry, true. Sir. I mean, they're the tip-top of humanity. Yeah. Am I wrong, Derek? In terms of... Yeah, Bruce Irons uh, calls Evan Evan Gazel fuck. Calls him yeah. Gazel fuck. Gazel fuck. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, so the Gazel fucks. Yeah. <laughs> but they're. But I think he made it a kind way. And I mean, the kindest way. They're honest to goodness gems of human beings. But uh, before we get to why Evan was canceled, the gem of a human being, Steve. You've seen the technologies now. You get to surf the ocean or paddle out alone with 10 other paying customers to one of the pools. Which one do you go? Yapoon. Here. <laughs> Sitting there in a flat pool while the thing's just laying there broken on the side. Huh? <laughs> no, I like, the, I like the surroundings. I, I like the... I like the tropics. You're a naturist, though, eh? No, no way I'd go back to Melbourne, though. I mean, actually, I didn't realise how bad Melbourne was until I read a comment from, um, you know, Dogs Nuts on, on Beach Grit. 
and he said he said that the um you know all the little wannabe PE teachers blowing the whistles at the start when they're handing out the bracelets. He said how humiliating that was, and I went, yeah, that's right, that was fucking humiliating. Like you know, standing in the line when you get handed your little bracelet and there's a little PE teacher blowing his whistle. I just thought, yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> But what about the Palm Springs Surf Club? What about Tom Lockfeld and Shane Magnuson pumping wave after wave, custom tailored for you, that gets custom tailored at the moment? Shane apparently goes down and surfs and talks to the crowd and says, what do you want? And you can say to him, I like that barrel on the first section, yeah. but then I wanted more whatever, and he'll dial it. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, well, well that's that's your baby, isn't it? I don't know. I've never surfed it. Yeah. I'll, you may never surf again with your broken, broken heel. I'm never surfing again. I'm finished. I've cancelled surfing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Derek, can I just go back to what MR said? Yeah. Yeah, this point about, you know, him saying that this wave is better than nature, better than anything nature can produce. Or I'm paraphrasing, right, but you get the quote. Yeah. And he's using this as a way to sort of leverage the wave pools into being this sort of gold standard for competition, something they can build a a, a tour on, right? Mm. The problem is, though, it might be better in his eyes and in your eyes, but, you know, if you think about Joe Sixpack living in Milwaukee, he doesn't see it that way, right? I don't know Milwaukee get a six-pack. Hey? Fat. <laughs> you fat motherfucker living in Milwaukee. Yeah. You know Joe Sixpack? It's a no pack, exactly. But they don't they don't see it like that, right? They're going to see like when they think of a wave, they're thinking of you know G Max surfing a hundred wave, right? Yeah, that's what Middle America thinks of. They think, oh, you know, so they see this little shitty dribbly thing running along with a tiny little thin little paper lip, and they don't see it as being better than anything nature can produce. That's the problem. Isn't it funny that we always talk about Middle America as if it's this um, sort of holy land, it's the ghastliest place on earth? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. How did it ever get to be this mythical audience for pro surfing? How well, did that ever happen? Have you ever Ohio, Chad? The people live on the damn coasts. Like, it's New York, Los Angeles. I mean, I guess Chicago is Middle America, but there's literally, it's called flyover because there's nobody there and nothing to do there, but also nobody there. Yeah. That's not where America lives. America lives on the East Coast and on the West Coast, just like Australia, except yeah. Australia, they only live on the East Coast. How epic is it to have a whole continent where people only live on one side? <laughs> it's true. I was dead rid of this fucking desert. Yeah. I mean, and, and Western Australia, I mean, Perth is what? What's the population of Perth? I guess it's a couple of million. No, it's okay, but like... That's no, I mean, that's basically the entire population of Western Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone lives in Perth or nowhere. Yeah. So it's a couple of mil. Well, I think Yellowgap's got about a million people there now. Really? <laughs> no, but fucking feels like it. I mean, 40% of which are named Taj. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's so many um, 15 year old kids named Taj. Oh my goodness. Taj must walk around and curse being a Taj. Elite, yeah, and, and, and it's rare that it came from um, Taj Mahal, the uh, blues singer. I mean, it's great. It's all great for him. 
but now when everybody else is named Taj, it's got to be a real like, oh man, I'm sitting, I'm the oldest one holding a trendy name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's not the old. He's not the oldest Britney in the hood. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we could change. Steve, it. So, Steve, you think you think Tubbs will never uh, anchor pro surfing? Huh? No, never. I, I think that's just another big white whale, or you know, another. It's like Middle America. It's just. I, I think it's just an evolutionary blind alley that they're running. I think that's why. So, you know, if we we were talking about Sophie before you got here, Derek, and you know when it all just. Sophie Goldschmidt. Sophie Mike. Sophie Sophie Joyce. Sophie Sophie Goldschmidt, the CEO before um, Elo, right? And and when, ah yeah, right. met, met her once at the wave pool. Yeah. Lovely lady. And I think when she got tapped on the shoulder was on on the on the last wave pool event. I think there there had to be some moment there where they realised that some just like oh shit moment where they realised that oh my god this fucking wave pool idea is not going to be the ship that's going to just take us forward. And I think that's when Sophie got tapped on the shoulder and they pulled Elo in and went, right, what do we do now? And Elo goes, black people, black people in the future. It's got to be black. We want to make videos called Trent. It's to be about black people, black people fighting surfing. And, a yeah. and, and what? unboxing stuff. Yeah, story. Unboxing stuff. <laughs> What do you think, Derek? Do you think do you think wave pools can be are the answer? Do you think they can build a tool? Um, I don't think there's no. I don't think I don't think it's a question that is needs an answer. But I, but I think wave pools. I think Kelly's pool would be a great event. Yeah. The judging has to be different. You can't score tubes. Take tubes out of the equation, yeah. and no one's sitting in the tube for sixty five percent of the time. And then people just going crazy. You know, you know, like uh, you know, Griffin's um, fin throw. Um, in a reverse, but doesn't go all the way around and rides backwards and people taking off with their boards upside down and shit. It'd be wild. But it's purely, purely because of the judges are scoring waves where you, it's bizarre. And, it's, and I think this is sort of crippled surfing since the beginning. It's always tube rides, turns, length of ride. But Kelly's is also the wrong pool. Yeah. I mean, Kelly's technology, who knows what we want, right? And it's, Kelly's pool is not the right pool. Not not for air. It hasn't, I mean, it hasn't got an air section. It's got that, you can sort of do a weird chop-up kind of air. But um, you could have a, uh, you could potentially, you know, have the, you know, the whole thing of the wave pool tour, which we spoke about. Sure, but I think, uh, I mean, if I saw a competition at uh, Palm Springs or whatever, maybe I'd like it. Just Kelly's pool is stupid, and that's the one that the WCL doubled down on. Or triple. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think surfing and the surfing governing bodies have always been very, very conservative. So there'd never be anything fun. I think if it was sort of a skate kind of sure. angle, you know, had a really cool skate brand or something, you'd be, uh, you know, you could make things like the, you know, the Palm Beach pool work as a contest and, and, and BSR and, and so on. Yeah, but you got to pump it way, yeah, further and harder and whatever. The, yeah, but the Kelly pool, and that's the tech that the WSL owns now, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And that's their most valuable asset, right, Steve? Right. Yeah. And that's the only thing yeah. now, really. It's the only thing they own. Is and a the at the end. It's like they it's like they bought a DeLorean, huh? Yeah. I think it's gonna be the future of uh, cars. And they're sitting there with a the stainless steel DeLorean <laughs> and going, uh, we can't actually make them, but they're really cool. Yeah. yeah. 
the best part about i mean it is a delorean because the best part was the delorean was built i love a delorean don't get me wrong but was built as a next level level sports car which engine sucks i mean it doesn't it doesn't actually drive well and so no yeah the delorean is a is a in terms of engine it's got a great stainless steel body with those sweet gold wing doors but beyond that the engine is awful and so you have an awful engine in a kind of good package and that's kelly's pool where isn't it wasn't, wasn't the DeLorean uranium powered it could take you sort of 30 years into the future or something i mean you wish well once you get in the hands of robert zemeckis then you're it's a it's a like bad gm a bad general motors engine <laughs> hey so speaking of uh speaking of kelly's uh, apple tv has got a new series coming out called the greatness code yeah with lebron and um and uh tom brady and all i talk about significant one significant moment in their careers that sort of changed everything and um yeah. kelly's on there t- talking about how this one moment made him cry and all that sort of shit. And I'm wondering, Steve, what do you think that moment was? <clears throat> well, yeah, you want to say that defeat by um, by Andy at the pipe pipe final, the one that was captured in um, Jack McCoy's film Blue Horizon, where he's crying in the shower. Do you remember that? Yeah, but it says he was. But he says he was crying, but and he had to go paddle out. Do you reckon he was crying beforehand as well? There was a lot of fucking tears. Could be the death of his dad. Oh, yeah, maybe he was crying beforehand. Mate, did they both things happen at the same time? I think his dad had died earlier that year. Could but I don't think it didn't happen that day. Yeah. Think I, about, I, mean, I mean, Kelly, as the premier narcissist, it was something where he cried and then went and crushed it, right? It has to be, yeah. It has to be something where he wins. It can't be something where he cries beforehand and goes out, loses, and cries again. That's not, that doesn't fit like a narrative arc, does no. it? Well, it's where he cried and then went and just slayed it. Well, so what's that? We're narrowing the field now. Maybe it was the wave Steve pool reveal. So what is it, Steve? The wa- well, it could, could be the wave pool reveal 2015, the day after Adriano won the title. So he's crying because Adriano won the world title. Yeah, and then he came out and revealed, and you know, got the got the spotlight back. You're you're getting closer, but I feel we can really, I feel we can really solve this riddle right now, Steve. Mm-hmm. With your brains, mm-hmm. I feel we can get this because Kelly wasn't competing that year, was he? 2015. 2015. Yeah, he was. No, because Adriano, he was clearly, obviously doing something in Lamore, doing his thing when Adriano won. So he wasn't in the title hunt. So I, he wouldn't have cried that Adriano won. First Brazilian? I mean, he should have been celebrating that, right? Unless he is a racist. But that aside... the year that Kelly hurt his horse for year before? But when he hurt himself, it was such a lingering injury with no uptick. Like, there's got to be there's got to be the arc, right? Derek, yeah. you hit it on the head. There has to be the cry win, right? I'm sure Tom Brady is crying yeah. before something and then going to win the Super Bowl. I'm sure LeBron James is crying and then winning his fourth NBA title. Uh, Kelly Slater was crying and then winning something. So where did Kelly cry before he won? 
was the last and one I think, won? I just looking at the uh, 2015 CT ratings, and uh, I think uh, Chaz inexplicably is correct. I can't find Kelly in the ratings. So Adriana Souza won, yeah. Mick Fanning second, Gabrielle third, Philippe fourth, fifth. Oh, no, Kelly was ninth. Sorry, here we go. Kelly was ninth. But he yeah. wasn't crying. He didn't think he was going to win. No, I don't think there was any tears. Big Dervich was um, 12th, by the way, 2015. <laughs> but interestingly, Steve, Josh Kerr, 11th. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but we're talking about legendary status, not not actually rankings, right? Uh, you mean the I mean, legendary Big Dervich. Yeah. So Josh finished ahead of Big. But still, no, that, that, that still fits in with, with my theory. So that was the actual – so 2015 was the first year ever that Kelly wasn't in the title race at Pipe. Correct? Yep, correct. Okay. Oh, so there could be some tears there, huh? So Adriano won the title. Adriano is Kelly's kryptonite. That's the Brazilian he hates the most. That's the one he's had the most beef with. And then – he was in the position then to take the spotlight away, pull the rug out from, you know, Adriano's title achievement and get the spotlight back onto himself with the wave pool reveal. That works, doesn't it? But he says, um, I should call the story out, but he said, I you know, had a little cry and then I had to paddle out. So I'm just going to go through the story and find the actual quote. So he has to it has to be somewhere. I guess I guess he could cry before the pool reveal. Yeah, but he he really can't. Does anybody like Kelly Slater? Oh. We all love yeah, Kelly love Slater, him. anyway. I love him. Anybody like? There's no silly things. He cries. Kelly Slater. Kelly? Yeah. Uh-oh. He's the best. He's the uh, number one. What did what did Hemingway say to Kelly? He's rich Better be nice. Has a stupid Cool. What, what was that? What, Kelly? He's rich and spoiled and he has a stupid rave pool. Oh, that's not a very nice thing. Thing to say. I don't think I don't think Kelly's spoiled, but he is quite rich. <laughs> I'm happy he's not spoiled. I think he's pretty spoiled. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, mean, are you- I don't think he has many people disagreeing with him except with us. Precisely. Kelly hasn't had a yeah, I mean, Kelly is as spoiled as a human being comes. Because he, because he was born beautiful and um, pretty naturally talented on surfboard? Yeah, and like hit it so early that he, I mean, he was swooped out of daddy and mammy's arms before he even got one scolding, right? Uh, as beautiful, perfect surf boy. And then off he goes around the world. And so he has, I mean, Kelly, yeah, along with being the most environmentally damaging non-politician, I'll say Kelly Slater is the most spoiled human being on earth. (laughs) Expand expand on that thesis. I mean, imagine Kelly Slater has not had a, to deal with a person who disagreed with him in person for how old is he? 45, 46, 48, 48. Has not had to deal with that since he was eight years old. Eight He's years old. old. Eight to 48. So for 40 years, Kelly Slater has not had a opposing opinion in his face. He's had syncophants and yes men and okay, cool. 
except for online, we can all be written off as stupid haters. What about his girlfriends? Oh my goodness. I haven't seen, speaking of, his girlfriend anywhere in any of the posts in the last few months. So I, I'm assuming she's done. No, no, she's um, she's in America and Kelly, Kelly is in Australia, but I believe Kelly might have just gone back to the States. He is. He was here in Encinitas recently. No, what was he doing in Encinitas? Visiting uh, Chris? He was hanging out with uh, the Momentum generation. Oh. No. They hang out together as a group now. They had a dinner party, the Momentums. Goodness. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't invited. I wasn't part of the Momentum <laughs> generation, but I saw it. It was right down the It street. would have been a crash, right? I could have walked if I would have known that it was happening. I could have been there. But, yeah, unfortunately. And I'm, there's still some, some ill feelings within that group, you're telling me, Chaz. You did, I mean, I hear there are, but then I see them all on picture and see just smiles and smiles and miles of smiles. So either they're all hypocrites or there was no bad feelings ever. They're all happy. Kelly Slater's success. That tide floated all boats. <laughs> well, it sank every boat but Kelly's, really. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, so in the, um, in the Greatness Code episode, Kelly promises to reveal the event that led to a full-on breakdown. Yeah. You think about this whole lifetime building to this one moment. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so, um, so it's almost giving him a fucking breakdown. Do you think Adriana winning a world title is going to give Kelly Slater a, a mental breakdown? I do. I do, but I don't think he'd ever admit to that. Full-on breakdown. But do you think he's going to admit it in the Apple's breakdown? No, 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 no. I, I, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think that Kelly's emotional inner world is open to him. I think he's probably deeply deluded about his own inner world. So no, I don't think um, Adriano's title will will feature. I think it'll be something else. It'll be early. Yeah, but what is it? Something early. I don't think Kelly's alone in that either. I think everyone's emotional in a world. They're probably deeply deluded about it. But um, yeah, I don't know. But he's, he's, he's. I feel like he's tapped that that button quite a few times. Wasn't there? There was that documentary called Letting Go. Did you ever see that? Mm, sounds vaguely familiar. But it, was it was around his tenth title or maybe his ninth title. There was a documentary called Letting Go where he kept alluding to this, you know, this deeply distressing event. But I don't know whether he ever sort of opened up about it. So I think it's going to be that. Ah, because do you find it rather um, strange that Kelly's been in the public eye for 30 years, well, 35 years, and he's never revealed it before? Yeah, probably. Response? <laughs> Lost <laughs> Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, Steven? missed half the question. Uh, did I did I glitch out on you? Uh, yeah, I was just saying it's quite odd that um, you know Kelly's been in the public eye for thirty five years and uh, hasn't revealed this one massive event in his life when everything else has been revealed. Yeah, yeah. do you think, do you think he knew Apple TV was going to come along in two thousand and twenty? You're saving it for that? Yeah, yeah, possible. I mean. You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to be too silly. cynical about it, but you know, maybe he's just. You know, people do that, don't they? They know certain things, and then when it's 
you know, when it becomes advantageous for them to reveal it, then they can come out and, and say it, you know. Like people keep secrets their whole life and then when it's time to come and write the memoir, then they come out and reveal all these facts that they knew the whole way along. But Kelly's making all of this up. Like literally we've seen everything for 35 years. We know everything. And so whatever he's going to say is going to be a complete artifice. Yeah. Which is, just think, that's considered a curse. Is He gets mad, I think, at surf journalists or, I mean, but it's mad must get mad at where like the universe that he lives in but we know everything like there's nothing there's no trick he can pull there's no secret he has right Derek you think Kelly is holding on a secret that you don't know a moment (laughs) in his life that made him cry professionally but I like like what I like what um, Steve said that um yeah, everyone's holding on to a secret, and when you write your memoirs, you um, you know, reveal the secret. No, yeah, so Stephen, Stephen, let's, let's pretend that you've just written your memoirs. What's going to be your big secret reveal? Oh well, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying that, but I mean, you know, it was like you just did was, say that, Stephen. Stephen, you just did say that. I heard you, and I'm, I can reply it for you a little bit later if you like. Yeah, but you said that if you write your memoirs, everyone reveals a secret. I'd like to know what your big secret is, and that you might reveal today, because everyone's a long time fan. Long time before <laughs> I mean, you're... what secrets you do? Well, I'll actually just want to use Nick Carroll as an example. <laughs> Please. What's his secret? Well, you know, Nick wrote Reveal his Nick, secret. Well, Nick wrote his memoir, and, and, and you know, like he, he revealed this whole sort of, you know, this, this uh, you know, hidden inner world that Tommy Carroll was going through that we didn't know about. You know, his whole battle with, you know, methamphetamine and all that and, you know, so, I don't know, maybe there's something like that. With Kelly or with you? Uh, yeah. Steve. Well, could, could be was either. That, was, that a code, was that a coded answer? Did you speak in <laughs> code then? Yeah. Are, are you the new Andy Irons? Do Derek and I need to come to Lennox and help? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Derek? You, you, you're used drinking beer at, uh, what is it, half past 12 in the uh, the afternoon on a probably a warm sunny day in Lennox Head. I'm going yeah. to have to get quarantined for two weeks, apparently, but Derek, I'll be there in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> you, yeah, come and save him. Come and come and little intervention. What are you? What about you, Chaz? What's your big secret? Nothing. I got no secrets. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> as much as Kelly Slater, I put everything out already. And so there's nothing. I got nothing. What do you got? I wish I, I wish I had something, but I get caught for everything I do. So yeah, precisely. I've never, I've never, I've never succeeded in keeping a secret. I mean, if, oh, hey, do you? Anything. But really, do you have one, Derek? I feel you might have one. Yeah, I've got a couple, but a couple I probably can't mention to anyone really. But are, they, but are they good secrets or just like fairly low-level, grimy secrets? Well, I think if um, uh, society could handle some um, pretty wild shit from um, an unusual teenage years, probably be um, I'd probably reveal it. But it's probably not now's not the time. That's going to be my Apple my Apple TV thing. And uh, yeah, well, there you go. See, twenty twenty five. Wait, you did wild teenage stuff that was no, not, not wild because. 
just <laughs> did you go to Perth? I grew up in Perth and Perth is a fucked up city. I've and I remember um, and, and, and my secrets don't have anything to do with killing, but in the suburb next to mine there was this proper serial killer. They used to take people into their um, house and you know imprison them and, and murder them and so on. And I lived in this really, really weird city suburban life. It was like a um, who's the guy who made kids? Yeah. And how- What's that guy's name? It's not Harmony Corinne. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Ken. Yeah. Is Ken. That guy. Mm. Kids. <laughs> who, who met it? No, but I know his name. I just can't recall. <laughs> I know it too, but I know it too. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so Perth is a dirty, dark city. So all this funny, this funny shit happens. So you killed um, kids. I mean, people, when you were a teenager in Perth. What was that, sorry? I mean, th- that's your dark secret. You murdered more than one person. <laughs> yeah, I think you murder one person. It's not that unusual, but uh, multiple people, and it's relatively unusual. But no, it's not, not a murder secret, but it's just, you know, just in the line of just a very, very odd city. That's why, I, you know, when I was 18 or whatever it was, I was um, so keen to get out of there. Wow. Steve, are you shocked by Derek's confession? No, not at all, actually, not at all. I think, um, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense. I knew that Derek had some sort of like there was some deep kind of deforming event there early on in his teenage years. It's ha- it's happ- it was a happily deforming event, though. Yeah, put a big bend in his character. Did and it, and it really, really, and it really um, led me down that libertine path. Yeah, yeah nothing really matters. I got yeah. 1% on my computer. Uh <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep talking. I'll keep talking to Steve when you get fucking plug in. But Steve, but Steve, let, let's move on. Um, ben Iper is um, gravely ill, and you know he is one of the, the great legends of the sport as a surfer yeah. and a shaper. Tell, talk to me about Ben Iper. Yeah, look, it's. I think he's sort of got a great template for being, um, you know, an enforcer in the water um, and, a, you know, a huge presence and, and someone who, you know, as he got older, probably mellowed out and then, you know, passed on all this incredible knowledge, shaping knowledge, surfing knowledge onto his sons and, you know, down through his Ohana, his extended family, and I, I think he's probably left a, a huge legacy there and you know obviously he was right there at the cutting edge of power surfing in that in that era when when surfing first became professional even though he probably didn't run on into that professional career himself he he was involved with the stinger which mr you know was uh was right there with just before he went on to the twin fins so he, he leaves a big legacy um you know, huge, huge presence in the sport for sure. And you know, the stinger for people who aren't aware, it's a, um, it's a, it's a cut in the outline, pretty much halfway up, halfway up the board. Yeah. So you can have that. You have the front of a um, your super wide front, and then coming to a super narrow tail. Yeah. It's, it's way less subtle than a flyer. Yeah. And that was, it was a really fucking cool looking thing, huh? The stinger, which, which yeah, I didn't realize called sting. I didn't realize how cool it was until you put up that photo on the beach grit site, you know, that just amazing shot of Ben just cutting back with that beautiful 
blue sky behind him and that crystal water and you could really see the stinger there just that that break point and the way the water was just sheeting off the sort of tail section of the board just behind the stinger there it just looked amazing i remember the first time i saw a stinger was um when i was a kid living in perth and and santosha surfboards got the uh got the rights to do rusty surfboards and they did a stinger model and everyone was riding stingers just yeah. how, how fucking cool it was you know, and that's and, and all my life, I've like a great one day to get a Ben Iper stinger and rub one of those things because yeah. it feels like you know, it's an underappreciated design. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure, lost to someone could bring out a, a stinger design and um, people would lose their shit over it. Yeah, well, I mean, if the guy needs help with his medical expenses, you know, maybe a big manufacturer like that could bring out a, a stinger design and then give him a cut. <laughs> I think, um, I think we've lost Chaz, but uh, so if I want you to finish on this on what you think the state of pro surfing will be in five years and where surfing itself will be positioned culturally in five years. So, so yeah, 2025, where is surfing as a culture and where is surfing as a sport? Uh, well, I'll start with surfing as a sport and I'll just put out what I would like to see. I'm not sure whether this could happen or not, but I see a, a lean, mean sort of elite level, championship tour level, maybe 16 surfers, I feel like the the template's already there. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We've we've had Jack McCoy's Billabong Challenge Series. We had the OP Pro Boat Series. We had the Custom Airstrike. It it really doesn't need to be reinvented. You just take some guys around the Mentawis, maybe, you know, Tahiti, and just, you know, I think it could sustain a two-day event, one day as a sort of, uh, you know, leaderboard sort of cut off and then the, the, the second day man on man and creating a credible world champion out of that and pretty much finding a way to cycle guys on and off that tour using the QS. Um, you, you, would, you could have the QS as a sort of still as a free-for-all for any and all comers and then I think it's going to have to be some sort of pay-per-view model for that, for that championship tour level so that's the first part go on i was gonna say so that's that's a dream scenario what do you actually think the scenario will be in five years time well i think it could happen it's just it's just a question of finding another um billionaire who can who can make it happen or or, or maybe you know just nationalizing surfing and and finding some way to to pay for it but i, I do think they're going to have to do some sort of pay-per-view model I don't think it's going to be sustainable otherwise. But with your um, appreciation of history and surfing having gone through multiple owners, and uh, do you think it'll get picked up? Do, do, do you deeply believe it'll get picked up or do you think maybe Ziff will hang on to it and just keep dragging it along? Look, it's so hard to say. It? I, I mean, it's, it's, it's no big deal for Ziff. If you've got $4.2 billion, in the bank to to hang on to it but he sounds like you know all the noises coming out of there that when you're changing direction so much it you know it shows that he's starting to get bored of it and get tired of it and trying to find a way to make it pay so you know my my gut feeling is that Ziff will try and let it go well do you think maybe we're doomed to reality tv shows featuring obscure surface from the 90s yeah Quite, quite possibly too. I mean, 
I don't think there, there'll ever be a, a time when it's it the people fall out of love with it, so there'll always be, you know, a place for it. Or, you know, at least at that level, reality TV, I don't know whether it'll work as reality TV, who knows, but, you know, yeah, on some level, the dream will never die. Which leads into the next part of the question, the uh, what do you think surfing will be as a culture? Because at the moment, it's a very Val-centric culture yeah, and um, inclusive and all that sort of shit, which is great if you like that sort of stuff. Um, but where do you think it'll be, you know, say with the demise of the WSL, yeah. Um, and and I guess that that push for the um, for the vow movement, yeah, five years, two thousand twenty five surf culture. Yeah, yeah, that's just huge and huger than ever. I mean, the the vow apocalypse, the vow the vow tsunami is just going to wash over everything. It's going to take over and um, completely dominate. So so I mean, in that sense, it, it you know surfing's not a sport. For those people and, and so surfing as a professional activity as a as a competitive activity is just going to shrink and become something very very niche and tiny like hog wrestling and and as a sort of cultural activity you know it's uh probably going to get bigger and huger and just more kooky than ever thanks dude you've been beautiful man yeah thanks Derek. <laughs> listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube